Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, we are glad that you're with us. It is the Play On podcast with another episode of Football Talk, that talk that you love for the fans, by the fans, the armchair football fans. You know, we're a bit different than the ones in the stadium, you know, we've got to differentiate ourselves like that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lovely day. It's actually a beautiful day where I am, um, broadcasting to you from London. And um, I'm with my gracious co-host as always, man like Ash. What's happening? Ah, you forgot the cue. No, I was there. Ash, what's happening? <laughs> um, I was okay. ready today. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, and how are you getting on today? Yeah, I'm okay, man. Like you said, yeah, great weather. Um, I'm going to be playing football shortly as well. Um, little five aside, um, in the late in the late like, afternoon sun um but yeah quick shout out to atletico trotters as well um they are two games away from potentially winning the league title um they got a massive game today um which is currently like go 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 and then um provided they win this and the other team who's going for the league win their games it's a final day shootout between the two teams winner takes all so um yeah, just big shout to Wes, the boys. Um, and yeah, hopefully it's another W. I probably will find out by the end of this podcast as well. So there'll be some live news. <laughs> live okay, news. let us know. If, you, if, you get a, if, you get, if you get a text from Wes, that, that'll be a good one, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, shout out to the trotters, man. This is this is exciting. I like that, Ashton. You it's just proper stuff. Extra... I spoke about, I spoke about them earlier really... in the season. I spoke to, about them earlier on in the season saying, you know, it could be a could be a glorious year and they've done they've done well to, to be in this position where it's in their own hands so mm. and that's what you want right you just want that you want a title to be in your own hands so yeah come on the trotters that type of drama where you know it's like the last day of the season and you need another team to draw or lose for you to win it like yeah that, that's that's a horrible situation so mm. like you said I'm glad it's in their own hands and yeah let's hope they get a positive result go trotters yeah. come on um, there's been a few positive results this weekend, uh, starting with our Friday night fixture. How are you feeling about these Friday night fixtures, Ash? Are you, are you quite excited about it? Are you glad they're here, or, or do you think... Yeah, uh, they're all right, you know. So I was I was kind of out and about, kind of work colleagues. Um, and then because there was a game on a Friday night, I just took the first half of the game in and then, and then rolled home. So... It's all right. Like, it's a decent little look. Um, I noticed that the games on a Friday night. I know Arsenal played once on a Friday night, but they're not. Then like they're not box office games. Do you see what I'm saying? Like they're not. Mm. They're not. It's not City, Spurs, or like Arsenal, Liverpool, or United, Chelsea. But yeah, it's a decent. It's a decent game, and I think it just allows other teams who maybe don't get as much play. To kind of be able to, to to be seen, so it was two 0 Southampton versus Norwich, um, comprehensive win for the Saints. Norwich are in a lot of trouble right about now, man. Just and because the issue with them is they've played more games than everyone else. So when you look at the league table, they're very much in a position where it's very very precarious for them because everyone else has a had a game in hand ahead of them. I need to look at the table again now, but yeah, it wasn't looking very very good for them at all. At all. Looking at the table right now myself, you can see uh, uh, Norwich are bottom, 26 games played, 17 points. Watford, second from bottom, 26 games played, 19 points. Mm. Burnley, two games in hand, 24 games played on 21 points. So, and then Everton as well, two games in hand. So that's 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 the kind of the little mixer you're talking about there from 17th to 20th. Mm. Not but even then though, you kind of... You kind of also have to go up because Brentford now, they lost yesterday and they're on 24 points, but they've played one more game than everyone else. Everton and Burnley have three games in hand over Brentford and then obviously Leeds, their form has been horrific of late. But can I just, I know we'll get onto it in a second, but like this, this relegation battle is really juicy now. Like I thought it was kind of a done deal, but with the games in hand and Teams getting a couple wins here and there. It's it's looking crazy, man. It's looking crazy. Good for the new 
Shrews. Um, I'm not so sure how exciting uh, the fans are of clubs in the relegation battle. Maybe we should get uh, Chima Anyo on to talk about Watford. He's a Watford fan. Um, and um, wow, just... <laughs> Yeah, I think that Norwich in particular, they're going to need a miracle. I know they've brought in a new mm. manager, but results have been inconsistent. Mm. Three defeats on the bounce. And uh, I watched a bit of that game, Norwich against Southampton, and it just looked like to me that Southampton were a more superior team. The mm. fullbacks were flying forward, Livermento and uh, Walker Peters on the other side, causing havoc. They were popping up in the box and getting shots on goal. Um and so with that kind of overloading with the fullbacks getting forward and the wingers being um, tucking in and getting into the box as well, as well as they, they're playing a two-striker formation. And, you know, one of them came up with the good Shea Adams. And it was a lovely goal from uh, Oriol Romeo, who I think is a bit of an yeah. unsung hero yeah, in that um, Southampton midfield. He kind of does the dirty work that, that goes unappreciated. And, and it's nice to see someone like that getting the headlines and, and, and getting a goal. No, it was a great strike. It's a great strike, and it leads nicely on to our second game because whew, there's been some there's been some issues there's been some issues at Ellen Road, boy. Well, I mean, <laughs> I actually don't know where to start with this one, um, but obviously Leeds has been it's been it's been the choice the choice team that the neutrals like to watch because they're so exciting. They just bomb forward and attack and attack and attack and attack. Um, but recently, it just hasn't really been working out for them. Like, you know, you you might think some people have the philosophy that attack is the best form of defence. So always be on the front foot and never be on the back foot. But when they had all of their players out injured, it, it's just like the level of quality wasn't the same. They weren't able to sustain that kind of performance. And they just got opened up and... Unfortunately, they haven't been able to turn it around. Um, and, you know, we've got some breaking news now, haven't we? Yeah, big news. Um, um, Marcelo Bielsa has been removed from his position as Leeds manager. Um, the, he was, I mean, obviously he brought them up, consolidated them last season, um, played a great form of attacking football, got a real tune out of some players who, people weren't too sure about so Harrison from Man City he was always muted as a bit of a talent Patrick Bamford as well as like Willie won't he um the likes of Aylin Dallas yeah they all had exceptional seasons last year um but it just hasn't really worked out this year and I'm looking at Leeds' form now they've lost their last four <clears throat> they lost their last four games um Obviously, Leeds are very close to me because of my dad and my uncle's um, firm allegiance to them. They they create they create a lot of chances. Like they actually create a lot of chances. And like you said, they're a very good team to watch. I've really enjoyed watching them. But the issue I have with them is just defensively, it's just so suspect. And I think Calvin Phillips is such a huge miss for them. Like, you never expect a player... Like, he's a good player, right? But just... I, I would... I need to pull up a stat of wins when he plays versus wins when he doesn't because it just seems like they're, the entire balance of their team is off when he's not there. Um, yeah, they've got Rafinha, who's, like, a great talent. They have missed Bamford as well. Um, Cooper's their Cooper, their captain and centre back. He's been missing, so they've missed the spine of their team, right? But whew, they conceded 14 goals in the last three games. Like everyone's just having a having just an absolute riot against them. Um, I I understand why they've acted because the way they were going, they were going straight back down to the championship, which would have been devastating for a club the size of Leeds uh, would you say they're officially your second team Ash <sighs> family club and all that now my official second team is Queen's Park Rangers um, growing up in West London so a weird story so when I was really really young I first uh, initially QPR was my first team because it was all I kind of knew and they were really local but the first game I ever went to was an was was an Arsenal game. It ended up Arsenal nil, Aston Villa one, because my granddad was an Aston Villa fan. 
So I've always kind of liked Arsenal. But then QPR was just the local team. When I got to like the age of 10 and I had it on my senses, I made a choice and said, I'm going to follow Arsenal. So QPR is my second team, but I have a very soft spot. I have a, a huge soft spot for Aston Villa um, and Leeds United as well. Um, well, it must have hurt you to see the score because uh, we talked a bit about how much, what, what's been going on off the pitch. Um, but on the pitch against Tottenham, this was literally the final nail in the coffin for Bielsa, wasn't it? 4-0 mm. at home. I guess, I mean, we know that they've had an injury crisis and that's pretty much what sparked their demise. And mm-hmm. it's it's harsh because we know Bielsa is a good manager. He has won a promotion from the championship. He had a fantastic season where they finished in the top half, didn't they? I think uh, we've got this article, um, which is like a press release from the uh, the Leeds United Football Club on Marcelo Bielsa's sacking. And they've even mm-hmm. talked about the good things that he's done for the club. You know, he won the league title, the championship title by 10 points. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, it was uh, the first time they got back to the Premier League for 16 years. You know, uh, he's got some serious accomplishments there. And it's just, you'd think if the players weren't injured, they wouldn't be in this situation. I mean, now Bielsa would still be in a job. But unfortunately, football's a results business, isn't it? And losing Mm. 4-0 at home and taking one, two, three, four defeats on the bounce... And just a, a terrible run of form, literally being in relegation form. It, you'd kind of think you have to stop the rot, you have to do something. And this is mm-hmm. the thing, this is the thing, you know, uh, will change. Um, now, I, I watched a little bit of the game, and Kane and Son were definitely playing some football. That finish from Harry Kane on his left foot, like the, ball, the way the ball came yeah, out. <clears throat> and he was stretching through it and he just about caught it. He was on his weaker foot and the accuracy of it. Wow, this this guy's ambidextrous. It was actually actually a fantastic. To be fair, <clears throat> I think I think Tottenham scored four excellent goals. Four very different goals, but four excellent goals. Um Session, like the, the, the reverse pass from Winks to Session to to his fellow um wing back Doherty is a great team goal. <clears throat> Does a little bit of individual skill from Kulisevsky, where he kind of got the ball from Doherty, dipped it through a few guys and shot to the near post. Hoiberg's, Hoiberg's ball is exceptional. Harry Kane's run is brilliant and the finish is top class. And then Harry Kane goes into quarterback mode, plays a great ball to Son, great touch, great finish. Like four very good goals, so... Spurs being Spursy, right? They beat Man City last week, lose away to Burnley, and then go and put four against thing. You don't really know what Spurs you're gonna get, but yeah, it is what it is. It but anyway, is. Enough, enough, enough about them. <laughs> <laughs> enough um, about them. So yeah, uh, goodbye, Bielsa. Um, and hello to Eddie Howe at Newcastle, getting another result oh. away to Brentford. Yeah. Uh, what did you make um, of this one, Ash? So, I think we have our manager of the month. I know Liverpool have won five games in a row in the league, um, scoring a lot of goals and doing that stuff. But I think when you when you look at where Newcastle were to where they are now, it's astonishing. So, Newcastle have got 13 points in their last five games. Newcastle had 12 points in their first 20 games. So, when you really break that down, that's just, it's a stunning turnaround. Um He's got Willett scoring again. Um, Fabian Shaw, who got an assist for Willett's goal, has been excellent. I think he's played in every single one of Newcastle's games and genuinely has helped to kind of um, give them a, a bit more of a solid base. Um, the fullbacks are doing well again. I know they've invested quite heavily in the fullbacks to get Target and Trippier, who's injured, but even on the other side, just whoever they've got playing there as well. John Joe Shelby looks like he's reinvigorated as a player again. Joe mm-hmm. Linton has now become this all-action central midfielder who um, looks looks a player now. And I think, obviously, you've got Ryan Fraser and you've got Murphy on the wings. Um, I think the only thing that hasn't happened for Newcastle is that Chris Wood hasn't started firing yet. Um, 
I was very skeptical of, of that signing anyway. I still keep that skepticism, but as a unit and as a team, Newcastle are doing very, very well. Um, they've got four games in the next two weeks. And if they continue these positive results, I mean, they, they've got some really difficult games. Like away to Chelsea, I think is one of them. And I think they also play City or or someone else of, of like who's up there. But what they've done now is they've given themselves the momentum. And we know that when it comes to relegation, whoever's got the best momentum tends to be the one who stays up. And in the last five games, to get 13 points is the best type of, of momentum that you can have. So, yeah, no massive credit to Eddie Howe and what he's doing at Newcastle. Um, I, I, I really like that. It seems Eddie Howe's coming in in a short space of time. He's identified the weakest areas in the team and he's reinforced them. You know, he didn't sign loads of players, but, you know, it was just, you know, the left side of defence, he's brought in Target and Burn. And he's brought in, you know, Wood up front. Uh, to be like a target man and kind of just hold the ball, bring other players into the game, which has enabled Joe Willock to get up a bit more and get into goal-scoring positions and get back onto the score sheet. Um, and I think that's kind of what it is. I think it's he, he's brought in Chris Wood to be like an enabler, to enable more uh, attacking runs from deep from midfield with him just being able to just put his foot on the ball and just muscle mm-hmm. off defenders. So whether he gets a lot of goals or not, I don't think that's irrelevant. I think he's presence is helping the team to play really, mm. really good football and the fact that Alan St. Maximan is, is unavailable and he's still managed to put in a good performance and just kind of means that they're not relying on individual performances anymore mm. and they can grind out results as a team and I, I believe this is literally all down to the appointment of Eddie Howe four wins in the last five four wins in a draw undefeated in the last five games mm. probably managed them off like you say yeah definitely Definitely. We're really staying on this relegation theme as well. Because <laughs> our next game is the Crystal Palace 1 and Burnley 1. Um, did you manage to watch it, Cal? I didn't really. Um, yeah. It's one of those kind of games. You know, I don't often watch games that aren't like the most exciting, to be honest with you. And this is one of those where I didn't think it was the most exciting. But mm. I did catch some of the highlights and I did see the likes of Olise and Zaha running right like this this they could have scored a lot more this could this could mm. have been a three or four goals for crystal palace because those guys were looking dangerous and i think mm. really burnley weathered the storm i'm not sure if the um the statistics are going to back up that claim um but i do think they kind of weathered the storm there was a lot of uh of attacking opportunities created by crystal palace and i think they were unlucky to not score more mm. yeah i think um <laughs> When a fullback has to get subbed, you know he's had a bad day. So Peters and McNeil in particular had a real tough time with Elise. Like he literally twinkle toes, like he's skipping past them at will. Um, Zaha looked sharp again. Um, two great finishes in a week, uh, um, and then was very unlucky in this game. But I think what's happened with Burnley is they've got that steal back. They didn't. They lost it for large parts of the season. And again, remember. Up until just a couple of games ago, like Burnley were very much on one win for the whole season. Um, tons of draws. Um, it's weird because Burnley have lost the same amount of games as Crystal Palace, but Crystal Palace is, are what? Crystal Palace are like seven places above them. Um, and even like going further up the league as well, like Burnley have lost as many games as Tottenham and Wolves, who are seventh and eighth. So they haven't been losing many, but it's just they hadn't turned them into wins. But again, even with Burnley, they've now got they've now got eight points in their last in their, out of the last fifteen. They're just slowly, slowly, slowly creeping up this table, and they've still got like lots of games in hand. Um, I know they've got another game in hand this week against Leicester, which will close the gap. So if they were to win that, they jump from they jump all the way from 18th up to 15th and be one point behind Newcastle. So yeah, I think I think um, Sean Dash is doing what he what he always does. He gets a tune out of them after after January. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with the, when those games in, in hand are played. I think when everyone's on the same amount of games, that's when we're really going to know who's in trouble. But it's looking very, very dangerous for the likes of Watford and Norwich at this moment. Certainly is. Um, talking about Watford, our next game, we're looking at Manchester United versus Watford in a game which I would say was kind of similar to. Palace and Burnley in the sense that one team had a lot of goal scoring opportunities and I felt they were unlucky to not convert them and I saw highlights of um, Ronaldo 
and Fernandez with great opportunities, <laughs> just not putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to see some of this match, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, seen, it's not looking good. It's not looking good that Manchester United aren't able to score these these opportunities they're creating. Um, fourth in the table, three points behind Chelsea in third, and they played two games more than them. Arsenal, three games in hand on Manchester United in fifth, and two points behind United. And it's these kind of results that United really need to. They really need to be getting three points at home to Watford, don't they? hundred percent. I mean, they haven't lost, but they've had three draws in their last five and that's what's really killing them at the moment. So they're just not doing enough. And like you said, they've played 27 games. They've played more games than anyone else. Um, Tottenham have got two games in hand over them. West Ham even have a game in hand over them today. So it's it's very much beneficial. Like We were able to grab a last minute um, win um, on, when, on Thursday night. United weren't able to grab a win against Watford. Like, Watford have taken four points off of United this season. And if you look, if you turn that around, which is the equivalent of five points to United, if they beat them home in the United have those five points. They're above Chelsea and thinking, yeah, like, they're, they're confirmed. And it's weird that, like, one team can take crucial points off you and it, and it kind of completely shapes your, like, shapes your season. Um, again, looking at it, just... United just had so many chances. I've got, I've got to speak to the manager though. He's, Boy, he's turning he's, he's into a Karen now, are you? No, I'm not saying that. But he's he plays a Langer, fine. He then plays the double the double pivot of you know those those two guys. Pogba's out to the left. Then it's Fernandez and Ronaldo, right? Brings on Sancho later on in the game. Do you need those two? and Pogba in there or could you have played one and Pogba it's just I don't know man I just think I just think there's just there's no real consistency again the full backs were a bit different so for me Dallow's been very very good very creative very progressive for them he doesn't play like Wan-Bissaka plays in this game Tellez plays for sure there's just no real consistency and I think that's what we're seeing in some of the, the, the things as well but having said all of that United's big players are letting them down. Like, Ronaldo should have scored. Fernandez should have scored. Um, yeah, there's just so many players that should be scored. Like, they're not really able to rely on the likes of Rashford at the moment because he's, he's in poor form. Um, but then having said that, this is a big, big point for, for Watford. And considering Watford have lost to some to some teams that they they shouldn't, they've still been able to take points and, and get draws and... Of, of, of some of the bigger teams or really rattle the bigger teams. I feel like Watford are a, a better team against teams who they're not supposed to beat than they are against the teams in and around them. So, so yeah, I think it's good for Arsenal. Like, it's, great, it's great for Arsenal that United keep dropping these points. Um, but I kind of think they're going to click at some stage and they may go on a run, but they've got a couple of really tough games coming up now, actually. Um, I think they're, they've, got the, they've, got, they've got the derby soon as well. I do think you're a bit harsh with your uh, team selection critique because, you know, they did have the Champions League match against Atletico in the week. Um, you know, talking about tough matches, that's a tough match. So you're going to have to rotate the team a little bit to kind of, you know, not have players being absolutely knackered playing against one of the best teams in Europe and then coming to play in the Premier League again a couple of days later. Mm, um, I mean... And you would, you, know, think that, you would think that the likes of Alex Tellers and Wan-Bissaka should be able to, to come in and, and give a good performance against Watford. And to be fair, they, their job is to defend and they didn't concede. Um, it's just that, you know, Bruno and Ronaldo didn't put the ball in the back. I of think, I, if they scored I, their chances, then we wouldn't yeah, have anything true. to say, would we? True, but I, I do think that it's, it's more to the point of consistent changes isn't allowing for a c- consistency of, of, of performance. I think you can't look, you can't dismiss the amount of changes or the amount of tweaks that are being made, and then also seeing the the inconsistency of some of the performances or the patterns of play. Is that not they, kind of par for the course when you get a new manager? They need to experiment and figure out. That's the thing, though. Like the he's been here. The best system he, is. But that's the thing. He's been here a long time. He's been here a while now. Like this isn't this isn't this isn't like Eddie Howe. Who like Eddie Howe's he 
seems to have got like we, we just speak about Eddie Howe a second ago. He seems to have got like continuity, understands what he's doing. Certain players are playing every single game, and then they're doing well. He's not really doing that with some of the players now. So as a result, when these guys do come in, they may play well for one game, but then they're not being allowed to consistently put in performances. I think I think maybe you're being a bit harsh. I get your point, and personally, I think with Eddie Howe being experienced in the Premier League, he probably knew the players a lot more than what Ragnarok would know his players. And so maybe it's an easier transition for him. But um, valid points, though. Valid criticisms, valid points. Um, And let's move on. Um, So from a board draw at Old Trafford, we're going to the Brighton and Villa game, where Villa put in a good performance and they did score their opportunities. So 2-0 to Aston Villa, another victory for Steven Gerrard. Is this one you managed to watch? Well, you said you watched all of them, didn't you, Ash? You, uh, you probably had a really good weekend watching all of these games. Yeah, I saw the highlights of this. Um, Brighton have just um, kind of fallen I'm off. sure you absolutely loved the Matty Cash's goal. Yeah, no, good tech. I think the thing that I found really interesting about this is Brighton, um, in their last couple of games, I've kind of looked at them to really do well. So they, they won... They won one game 2-0 um, ahead of going to Man United. And they kind of rattled United for a little while. And it, it was a it was a 2-0 win to United, but it could easily have gone another way, right? Then they've had a couple of home games against Burnley and Villa. And again, they're 10th like, they're in the league. You're thinking, OK, could they slightly push? Could they ensure that they kind of are fighting for like a top eight spot? They're kind of in and around Wolves or even Tottenham to some point. But they've just kind of given two really tepid home performances and they conceded five goals. Um, and it's just, yeah, they've just, just kind of fallen off and not really moved on. That's not to take anything away from Burnley and Villa, who got who got two very good wins and two much needed wins for where they, where they both are in the table. But yeah, I, I'm more looking at, I'm more looking at the, fel- the failure in Brighton than I am in the achievement of the other two because they seem to have put themselves in a good position to re- to actually make the most of, of, of a favourable run. Um, and, yeah, they haven't really done that. So, so yeah, it's a shame for them. It is, but Brighton's form has been absolutely shocking. It doesn't look like playing at the Amex is helping them either. Um, and, um, yeah, I just want to shout out to Matty Cash because I think the goal that he scored could be a contender for goal of the week. Um, it was an absolutely incredible finish, like chesting the ball down. And oh, yeah, it's a top finish. Rolling it home across the keeper. Pinpoint accuracy. If a striker scored that, like if Lacazette scored that, you would have been gassed. <laughs> Lacazette don't score. <laughs> <laughs> he did score this week. We'll come to that, though. He didn't. Um, That's our own goal, bro. Ah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, it was a good goal for Matt Cash, and the fact that he's a fullback as well. I think that he deserves extra praise because you don't see a lot of goals from fullbacks. So shout out to Matty for that. That was a great goal. And that, nice to see Ollie Watkins back on the score sheet. I thought about putting him into my dream team, but I didn't. And guess who scores? Watkins scores. I had Brozier in and I had um, uh, Wigos. Brozier and Wigos. I brought both of them in. And I thought, oh, Brozier, Wigos or Watkins. And I went with the other two and Watkins scored. Yeah. There you go. Such is life. Well, good FPL week for you this week? Uh, not really. And even the last week, so my captain, Salah, got 84 points. I triple captained him. Obviously, he showed up big with three goals and one assist across the game week. Um, but, yeah, just through hits, other decisions, not really going my way. A couple last-minute goals in, in other games just meant that my... my my week wasn't what what it could have been, but I'm still in the mix in a couple of leagues. So that's kind of where you want to be. Like I always say, let me get to game week 28 in the mix, and then those then the last te- the last 10 weeks we see what happens. Oh yeah, that's me at the moment. I'm, I'm literally just taking part. I'm equal the average score. Um, not the greatest uh, number of points right now, 27 points. So let's see what happens. Still got a few players left to play. You know, uh, Burnley got the double game week. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's your captain? Oh, our captain Fernandez, unfortunately. So did I. 
he I can't be, I, I can't believe he didn't score at least two. He should have had two. That would have been a lovely, a lovely, sh- lovely week. He should have got two and an assist. Big facts. Wasteful, wasteful from him and Ronaldo. Oh, yeah, big man. facts. But we move. We certainly do. And it's uh, Phil Foden, the hero that we move on to, scoring against Everton at Goodison Park in a 1-0 away victory from Manchester City. Penny, for your thoughts on this one, sir. Uh, lots happened for Man City in the last few weeks. So, do you remember the last time we we, we podded? I said, all we need to do is just stay close. Just stay close and just see if Man City blink. And in their last five games, Man City have bl- like they've blinked. Um, they lost to Tottenham last week. And now their gap is down to what? The gap is six points, but Man City have played a game more. Um, Liverpool's game in hand is actually a way to Arsenal. They've had a very good record against us, so potentially we could do Man City a favour. But, um, yeah, no, I I was keenly watching this game because I have no City defenders and lots of other teams have multiple City defenders. So when they kept a clean sheet, I was like, damn. And they shouldn't have kept a clean sheet, really, because they should have got a penalty. Everton deserved the penalty after Rodri's handball. And I, I really don't understand how VAR didn't um, give that as a penalty. Like, it's just, it's so bait, it's so obvious that it's a penalty. Um, good instincts from Foden. Um, when you see the goal, there's a little bit of a mix-up. There's, I don't really know, Michael Keane's weight was not in the right position. And then Foden's managed to anticipate that something could happen, being in a six-yard box. He's playing as a false nine. Um, but genuinely sniffing out a goal, like some of the the key poachers of the last few years, you're in Zaghi's, you're Aguero's, um, like top, like top poachers. So yeah, man, like big, big win. Um, and actually it's weird how football does this thing where a story can happen the week before. And then before you know it, that person who's involved in the story the week before grabs the winner on the pitch. Um, that story a week before was, off the back of the Kelbrook and Amir Khan fight that took place in Manchester, Phil Foden and some of his entourage were backstage. Um, and there's some videos of a fight breaking out. And apparently it was Phil Foden's mum who initially, I'll be honest, looked like she was a bit of the aggressor in the sense of some of the stuff that she was saying and doing. But then obviously was actually hit by um, another gentleman, which is disgusting. Like we don't, we don't condone um, men hitting women at all. And then a bit of a melee kind of ensued where you can see Phil being there. Um, he doesn't really get involved as much as some of the other people do. But um, but yeah, from from defending mum to attacking Everton. Um, I'll tell yeah, you what, though. It, it went from a bad week to a good week for him. Yeah, shout out to Phil Foden's mum, though, because she looked like she could take a punch better than Amir Khan. Mad thing. <laughs> she now oh, she's hard. Shout out to Phil Foden's mom. Nah, she held I mean, she held one and it wasn't right. Like, but she she kept she kept going. She kept going. Mate, the, the video went viral. So I'm I'm sure a lot of the listeners have probably seen it by now. And if you haven't, mm. uh, we've got an article from Marco um, that that will get published uh, on the channel soon enough. And um, yeah, you can see in the footage that it kind of looks unprovoked. It kind of looks like just. A bunch of guys were just kind of picking on Phil Foden in the group, mm. and and uh, you know, mum came out to try and just kind of defend her boy and say, "You got to get out of here, uh, leave us alone." And one of them just hit her, and it was just like, "Wow!" But it could have it could have been a lot worse if she wasn't so hard. So I just want to shout her out because you know she took a part. She really took that punch. Hard body, hard body, mummy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, but on some more serious notes, um, yeah, that 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 game was quite emotional for um, a couple of the the players. So um, each side have um, a Ukrainian in their team, um, Zinchenko, and I can't pronounce the other guy's name actually, um, the Everton player. Um, but yeah, it was really good to show unity from both clubs with Everton coming out in coming out in Ukraine flags, as well as. Um, as well as City coming out with Ukraine tops on as well. 
I'm gonna um, give the guy's name a try. A try. <clears throat> Michael Linko. Uh, is that how you say it? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, maybe it's Miko Linko or maybe it's Michael Linko. But that, that's that's my. Cool. I like how you put. A, I like I like how you put a little accent on it as well. <laughs> you gotta try. You gotta try it. A little little Ukrainian flair. Shout out to the to the Ukrainians. Um, that's a Ukrainian flair, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but yeah, no, it's um. Obviously, there's really like disastrous and devastating scenes that are being seen across media outlets and, and all those kinds of things. And um, yeah, the the unity of the two, it's a really tough time, like a really, really tough time. Um, probably being a Ukrainian anywhere in the world, let alone actually being in, in the Ukraine as well. So, yeah, I think it was um, a, a very nice and touching gesture from both clubs to to extend that. To extend that kind of sentiment to, to to the players as well as to the fans who were there to watch the match. Uh, most definitely, um, <clears throat> I think by now they would know that football is with them. Everybody uh, connected to football um, is definitely have, has their hearts and, and thoughts with the Ukrainian players that we all know and love, and extended it to the wider Ukrainian community. So it's a real tough time um, for them. And we're all showing solidarity with that. Mm. Um, another player who's been showing solidarity is Yarmolenko mm. over at West Ham. I think you had a, a story about that from The Guardian, didn't you? I can find it. Yeah, so he's actually been given leave. Um, so he won't be available for the squad today. I think the difference was um, uh, Zinchenko and Mil- Milienko. Is that his name? <laughs> I think it's Michaelenko. Oh, Michaelenko. Uh, Michaelenko. Sorry. Um, those two players are actually in the squad and 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 were present for the match. Um, whereas Yarmolenko has actually been given some time. I believe Yarmolenko is the actual captain of the national team. Um, and David Moyes spoke about him not being in a fit state to kind of play, which is completely understandable. Um, so he's been given some time off, um, which again you just everyone handles these things differently and just kind of wish they didn't even need to handle these things. Like, no one's an advocate for, for war and atrocities at all. Well, no one on this podcast anyway. So um, we just really hope that things resolve themselves very, very quickly. Um, doesn't look like it's going to be a quick resolution, but all we can do is hope. And, and yeah, I'm, I think it's really commendable the support that the clubs have been given to their, to their players of Ukrainian descent. Shout out to David Moyes as well. I think it's a good decision to to, to get the guy a few days off. And um, there's, there's been a, a fair bit of controversy at West Ham in recent times. And I think David Moyes has emerged as a very calming influence, someone just steady on the ship. Um, and this is another example of how good his management is. Mm. So, um, on to the actual game. Yeah, that's a big game. <laughs> That's a big game. Like considering what's happened, so obviously Wolves Wolves lost to us in the last minute. Um, Wolves are going to be angry. That this is the kind of game where uh, Bruno Large will be wanting a reaction from his players. Won't he? You're wanting mm-hmm. to bounce back, and it's not going to be easy for West Ham. Um, both teams have been, you know, the form has been up and down a little bit. Mm. So I'm not so sure how easy it's going to be to predict. What's gonna happen? Yes, oh. it's it's tough, man, because West Ham like what we, we West Ham score quite a lot of goals. Like they are the if I'm correct, they are the fourth top scorers in the league, uh, with 45 goals. But then the team with the third best defense in the league is Wolves. So you're naturally looking at quite a cagey, well, kind of maybe West Ham with the onus of trying to attack. All trying to keep it kind of kind of down. But then West Ham do let in quite a few goals, 34 goals, and then Wolves don't score that many, 24. So it's it's a gen like this is kind of screaming draw to me, if I'm honest. Like I really wouldn't be surprised if both teams take a point away from this, which won't really do much for either of their seasons. I mean Wolves it would just consolidate them in, in eighth place, um, and probably where they'll end this season anyway. But West Ham, if they got any um aspirations to to return to Europe this season and maybe even push on to the Champions League a draw is not really what they need and they've drawn their last two games as well 
Um, and those draws, those draws have been quite, um, they, again, they've been quite debilitating to, 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 to their goals and their aspirations. So, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Just building on some of the stats you just uh, mentioned, um, West Ham has a goal difference of plus 11 and Wolverhampton's mm. goal difference is plus 4. So mm. despite them having a better defence, they're not s- scoring that many goals. Mm. Um, and West Ham are, you know, they're, they're, they're tough to beat and they're scoring more goals. Uh, in terms of the difference over the course of the season, there's only two points in it, although Wolverhampton mm. does have a game in hand. So if Wolves wins mm. this then, you know, they're going they to go be above, point above West Ham. With a game in hand. Um, so it's, it's it's quite interesting because Wolves have a, a genuine chance of getting into the top six. They're, they're in mm. the race. Mm, definitely. West Ham are firmly in sixth place now. I, I think, yes, it, if you were going to bet on it, you might bet on a draw because you'd think these teams are quite evenly matched. Mm. Um, anything can happen. This is the Premier League, though. Anything can happen. 100%. 100%. I'm excited about that. That's going to be a good game. But something that everyone should be really excited about, <clears throat> excuse me, is Chelsea. Well, I was going to say Chelsea versus Leicester, but that's the game that got postponed to make way for Chelsea versus Liverpool, the League Cup final. This game is, come on, you know me, I love a little bit of red versus blue, that the old uh, <laughs> table football classic kind of, kind of yeah, football clash. It's a beauty, yeah, yeah. Hey man, that's 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 the vibe right there. It's a Sabutio game, and um, you know, with all of the controversy that's happening at the moment, you kind of want to just switch off and just turn on the football and just watch an amazing game. And you know, you'd hope maybe there's going to be some kind of a show of solidarity towards Ukraine during the match. Maybe we'll see something. Maybe a flag will be uh, flown. That would be nice. Who knows? But. What we really want to see is, is a great game of football. And I think this game has all of the ingredients to provide that. Because right mm. now, Liverpool have just... They're like a train. The, the momentum has just been brought... Like, they brought in this Diaz guy in January. He, he's looked good, man. He's, he's, he looks like a player that's got so much more to come. Like, like we've mm. only just seen a little snippet of what he can do. And, and the goal he scored uh, was fantastic. So he kind of looks like he's going to be a guy that's scoring goals and, and chipping in with assists. Um, and their squad, as we know, it's, it's it's a really big squad. They can play in the Champions League and rotate in the league and, and, and pick up wins, no problem. Um, but with Chelsea, you know, Lukaku hasn't really been firing. He got dropped recently, didn't he, for um, to make way for Kai Havertz up front. Mm. And... Chelsea done the business with Havertz up front so you think to yourself what's going to happen with that situation now um, but there was an article that you sent with Lukaku being kind of defiant which I thought was quite interesting you know uh, so he's pretty much talking about how he has no plans to leave Chelsea and he's going to fight to win back his place and he wants to start in the Carabao Cup final um, so I, I think from a manager's point of view you would love to see or hear that kind of fiery passion coming from your, your big striker um, maybe you can get into the team what do you think do you think he's going to get into the lineup? Um, it's difficult because they probably played I mean he played last weekend and there was that famous stat about him only having seven touches um, and one of them being <laughs> and the other two were when he was when he was started. so he actually had four active touches in the match they've not started him again in the in the Champions League 1-2-0 that was actually some kind of a record wasn't it I think that was the, the least amount of touches by any striker in the Premier League yeah I mean yeah, it's, it's ridiculous it's ridiculous um do they start him in a game like this? I don't think they do because if you just won 2 0, you've got Havertz scoring, you've got a level of fluidity in the team that seems to be playing well. They've they've got a structure of Ziyech or Pulisic or they've got Hudson Odoi. I don't know if Mounts fit. Um they've got they've got options. And at the moment, those options seem 
to be better than Lukaku. Um, that was annoying. <laughs> All right, okay, we're back after a little technical glitch. Um, so I think we were just talking about Chelsea and Liverpool, and Ash, you were just uh, waxing lyrical about Chelsea's players and talking about Lukaku before uh, the uh, the web conference and video conferencing decided to uh, to show its ugly head. Yeah, I think I was talking about just how players are in better form than Lukaku, than Lukaku at the moment. So that's where the preference is. Um, and then went on to speak about who I believe will win the game. And I believe Liverpool will win the game because I think Klopp's record in finals isn't great. And I think they need to almost bolster the silverware that they've done under his tenure. So he's been here for six years and he's won the Champions League and he's won the league title. Now, amazing feats, things that my club have never done and don't look close to doing for a long time. So this is not me in any way kind of dampening or talking down what he what, what he has or hasn't done. But on the flip side, when you look at what he's done in that time, you would maybe have thought that for this for this Liverpool team, probably the best in multiple generations, a genuinely world-class outfit who have really pushed some of the, the game's best teams to like to the limit and actually superseded them at times. For them to only have two trophies in six years kind of doesn't seem like it's right. Now, they've got some key players coming to like towards the end of their peaks. Um, obviously, you've got like your, your Salas, your Mane's and stuff like that. But I think Klopp would want more silverware than he's got so far. Yes, he's in all four competitions this year. And by the end of this, they could, they could, they could have gone from two to six. But I think it's very, very important that they were to win this final because I think it would be a real springboard for them to go on and win more trophies this year. I think, again, if they were to lose another final, it kind of puts that seed of doubt in your mind. And then when it comes to the latter stages of the FA Cup or the Champions League and even the running for the league title that they're going for, this could be a confidence boost for them. So I'm going for Liverpool to win it maybe an extra time. Okay, that's a strong prediction there. Liverpool to win an extra time. Um, I don't know. I think Chelsea do turn up in big games and they're not going to be a pushover. Maybe going to extra time is a good shout because both teams, you know, like in a, in a game of such significance, both teams are going to be reluctant to have a gung-ho attacking style, even though Liverpool generally just play like that anyway. Um, you think they're going to be a bit more pragmatic and less likely to concede um, and if there is a goal, it might happen in late stages of the game. Um, but I just think, I just think this is a game where there isn't that many wizards. You know, you know, like a mm. a player who can just produce a moment of brilliance and and unlock the defense with a brilliant piece of skill. Don't get me wrong, there are players who can do that, but I just don't think that both of those teams kind of over rely on individual brilliance in that way. They 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 play in a very systematic way. Um, and there will be a lot of sort of passing. I think it will be quite a passing game. And I do expect to see team play rather than one player picking up the ball and running and beating three players and scoring. You know, I don't think we're going to see that. Um, although with someone like Mo Salah on the pitch, you never know. You never know that, you know, he has got that ability. He has shown that this season that he can score absolutely incredible solo goals. Um, and it's not like, he hasn't been known to do that in the past either. Um, but, you know, I'm just excited. I think it's a huge game. Um, with the news of Abramovich stepping down, I think I think that kind of puts a spotlight on Chelsea a little bit more and makes me want to see how they react to this news of their owners. Because he's been so good for Chelsea over the years. Um, it is really bizarre news there's a lot of rumors that i've heard but i don't want to talk about the rumors and get into the speculation mm. in terms of facts um there's an article from the bbc that talks about roman abramovich giving chelsea's stewardship to trustees of the charity arm it just like i haven't seen anything like this in football in my time of watching football um and it's you know it it, it seems like he's decided to step, there's a quote here where it says, I've always taken decisions with the club's best interest at heart. Um, 
and um, I remain committed to these values. That is why I am today giving trustees of Chelsea's charitable foundation the stewardship and care of Chelsea FC. Now, how much influence this charitable foundation is actually going to have remains to be seen. Um, we all know that the influence Roman Abramovich has. Some people have said, you know, he's the one that signs the players. And, you know, we know that he sacks the coaches and brings new coaches very uh, efficiently. And he gets the success. He gets the results. Um, but there is talk that there is there are some things happening off the pitch that involve Roman Abramovich. And this is why he steps away in case... You know, any any personal issues um, that are affecting him can end up impacting the club. And he, he kind of, if you kind of read between the lines, he kind of infers that in his statement, doesn't he, about saying, you know, he takes decisions with the club's best interests at heart. So he's saying it's, it's really not in the best interest of Chelsea FC for me to remain uh, in charge at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, but whether, whether or not he can come back, I don't know. Um, and um, yeah, it's just it's just really bizarre. This is not something I've ever seen before. What, what do you, what's your take on this, Ash? Yeah, this is <clears throat> this is new, man. Like, I guess we know we know there's like some real links between um, Abramovich and, and and some of the regimes in Russia. Um, it's part of the reason why he's actually. I think he's somewhat stepped back from from some of his time there and he's not even been allowed back into the country for periods of time or um so he's not remember before we used to always like have the camera pan up to Roman Abram- Abramovich when Chelsea won Savico when they scored but he hasn't actually been local for a while so um yes yeah, so, it's actually really hard to speak on this one you know I don't know much about it I just know that once you dig a bit deeper, a lot of things will start to look a bit murky, and things are not, and that's where the answers will, will kind of be. So, yeah, at the moment I can't say too much about it, but it looks like Chelsea will still be kind of operating as much. I'm sure he's going to have still have a huge influence over what's happening with that with the team that he he owns and runs. Um, but yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Well. Um... Hopefully this isn't the kind of thing that is a distraction for the players mm. and affects their performance. Um, I don't think the, f- the future of the club will be at stake here um, because who knows what's happening with uh, Abramovich. Mm. But if he is in big trouble and if he is facing you know, uh, serious consequences, um, the fact that he stepped away from Chelsea and distanced himself from it should mean that Chelsea... Chelsea isn't going to be in any trouble. Um, you know, there won't be like assets being liquidated and players being sold and things like this. Mm. Oh, but we shall see. This is a story that I'm sure is going to start unfolding in the coming days and weeks, and we're going to get more information. And um, wow, what a time as well with uh, with the war in in, in Ukraine and mm. and him being a, a Ukrainian national. Um, I did wonder if there was a connection to that as well. I, I just don't know, to be honest with you. But there you go. Um, so there's our, there's our football roundup on the results and the fixtures. Um, mm. Hopefully by the time everyone watches this, they would have thought, yeah, you know what? That League Cup final was just as fantastic as these guys were building it up to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, you know, little bits of news left to talk about. Um, I've just mentioned uh, the war in Ukraine. Um, and we've got a story here about Russia. Uh, this one in The Guardian. About Russia being stripped of the Champions League final host duties. Which I think is right. You know, I think if, you know, mm. if a country goes out and, and starts doing unethical things... Um, then it's only right for football to be concerned um, and to be saying, you know, I don't co-sign your actions. And uh, you know, if this is the kind of a kind of a sanction that football can uh, dish out to a rogue nation, then so be it. But 
Russia will no longer be hosting the Champions League final. Um, so thoughts on that one, Ash? Yeah. <clears throat> There's... It's weird because they always seem to say that like sport and politics shouldn't mix and they should try and keep it as separate as possible. But then certain things are just undeniable, right? So um, I think... I think a, a gesture had to be made, a, a stand had to be taken. I think in addition to this, I think Poland have refused to play their World Cup qualifier against Russia next month as well. Um, so it seems that there's a lot of there's a lot of football that that might be affected. And I think some of their I think there's a Russian team in one of the is it the Europa League. So it'd be really interesting to see like what happens with that in terms of like how it moves forward would it go to a neutral venue um yeah like uefa and feet well uefa mainly have to kind of step in and and resolve this so i'm not i'm not surprised um i'm not surprised it's been taken away i believe the the grand prix in football has been taken away from there as well um they're making a stand now so so yeah, I, I think it was always the inevitable, inevitable thing that was going to happen in this instant. Yeah, I mean the article goes on to say um, the football associations of Poland, the Czech Republic, and Sweden have all refused to travel to Russia for the World Cup playoffs there. Mm. Um, understandably, the Ukrainian FA has called for Russia to be expelled from all FIFA and all UEFA competitions. Mm. Um, and interestingly, European parliamentarians wrote to UEFA demanding an end to their relationship with a Russian company um, as their uh, a sponsor, one of the sponsors, uh, Gazprom. And uh, oh, wow. Schalke from Germany has actually removed Gazprom as the, the sponsor on their football shows. Wow. So, yeah, I think the message is clear. Football are saying we do. Our actions, Russia, and these are the consequences of your actions. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Um, moving on, we've got uh, Young Dini. I'm starting to like this fella. I know he said that you know Arsenal don't have the cojones and everything, and everybody remembers that famous quote. But I thought he was actually talking the truth. Like he was actually right. Yeah. We. Yeah. He probably was, to be fair, <laughs> annoyingly so. And again, he's standing up here. Oh man! Yeah, you're back. Yeah, can you hear me? You back? You just yeah, stopped yeah, out for yeah. a second there. Okay, yeah, I know. so I'm not. I'm not sure what the last thing you heard was, um, but I was Cajones. just saying about yeah, <laughs> Troy Dean. Troy Dean is yeah. he's a man who. Um, he's outspoken and, and he says what he believes he stands behind what he says and again he's he's uh he's addressed the media and he's called for reforms in education and specifically mm-hmm. education on history the history of black asian and minority ethnicities I very interesting to hear Trey Deeney take this kind of very surprising I thought um, but you know this this uh, article in, in Sky uh, details what he is and why the motivation behind why he's decided to speak out um, there's some very com- compelling evidence here as to why we should have this kind of reform it's something that black people have been pushing for for a while like you know when you just talk like just that's how we talk just man in the street just talking like you know like on our podcast on, on our, our other podcast bureau from banner we've had guests come on and talk about this kind of thing you know and it's just something in the black community where people feel like the history isn't being taught in the schools and and you know all right we have a black history month but really it should just be history shouldn't it, it should just be as as part of the regular curriculum um that you know you can cover ancient egypt and you can cover things that have nothing to do with egypt you can look at the history of nigeria and the history of ghana and the history of the you know countries where people from those countries have migrated to the uk countries where people from those countries um will feel connected to 
you know they feel connected to the history of their origins and also there's people in this society who are you know the great some of our greatest brits are from places like jamaica from ghana um and people might not necessarily know a lot about them and their history and their people uh, even though we we watch them on the tv and we listen to them on the radio and we read the articles they write i think it would just be a good idea for everybody to have this knowledge of world history um what's your thoughts on that yeah listen we're a massive advocate on this podcast so i can never ever sit here and be like no i don't agree with that like, i think i think i think it is true and i think Tredini is someone who has always spoken up um had a different opinion so i'm not surprised that he's taken this stance i think it's i think it's good i think it's positive i think it, it would it would be progressive and i'd love to see it i'd love to see it be actioned um yeah i think it's a great idea most definitely shout out to trade because i think it's an important conversation to have um and for a footballer to be having this kind of conversation it really kind of like you know there's only so much that like the people we've had on our podcast can do but when someone like true dini says it now there's a huge spotlight on it isn't there and he's Mm -hmm. not like some educated scholar he's just a guy talking from his own personal experience um, talking about his children um, and the kind of education he would like his children to have um, and I believe it will be beneficial for all children oh shout out to Trey mm-hmm. he's definitely shown some cojones by doing that hasn't he yeah hundreds <laughs> hundreds um, last story is a cool one to end on man this one um, <laughs> I didn't know anything about this 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 person alright um so shout out to you, Ash, for... for Michaela Moyer. Yeah. It's a defender that scores a hat-trick. The, a perfect hat-trick. A perfect hat-trick Go on, talk, own goals. Talk, talk to us. What are, telling, what are you telling me about this, Ash? Talk to us. So um, the USA women's team recently played the New Zealand women's team. And Michaela Moore is a defender for the New Zealand women's team. And she managed to score a perfect hat-trick of own goals. Um, the first one was genuinely quite like unlucky they fizzed the ball in she's had an outstretched right foot and she's diverted into into her own goal the second is slapstick so the ball's been whipped in someone's jumped up to win a header it's gone over their head fallen like flush onto her face and then it's gone in it's gone back in the direction that the ball's come into that corner so it's like Ah, 2-0, I scored two own goals. What's the worst that could happen next, right? (laughs) Then someone gets down the right-hand side, pulls it back. And I think this is probably the worst goal (laughs) out of the three of them. But I think this goal only happens because, yeah, this goal only happens because the other two have happened. Her feet are kind of stuck. The weight of her body isn't right. And then the ball comes off of her left foot and goes straight in. Um, She got subbed off a few minutes after that third goal. Um, Stop the rock. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy to see. Absolutely crazy to see. And it was just one of like it was just such a. I remember, I remember it just kind of came up and someone sent it and I was like, what? Own goal, own goal, own goal. He's like, what's going on here? And when you see it, it's like, oh, shikes. Like, the first was, one looked rough. a little bit unlucky because it was like, no, trying to 100%. control the ball and it's kind of just... Yeah, first, first one's unlucky. Second one is is comical. At chested best. it into the goal. That was just like... Wow. Yeah. And then the third one is just... <laughs> the, the third one to me is just where the mental malaise has oh. kind of kicked in in the sense of once you've done that, even being in the area, you're scared that anything's going to come off you. And... If she done, if she done that, if she done, if she had that ball near her feet, three hundred times after this, she would have got a better touch and been able to clear it. But when you've had that funk of the the first two goals, this is what happens in it. So snowball effect. So yeah, just a little bit of a la- more lighthearted story to kind of end on, considering what's been a very heavy podcast in terms of what's been going on with like the Ukraine and and all the other things and sackings and all of that kind of stuff. So. So yeah, like big big up to Michaela Moore 
and I'm sure that the next time you play, you're going to have an absolute stormer. So yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I would just say that this is the reason why I don't play football because I don't want to be Michaela Moore. That's why. I'm trying to think about ever scoring my own goal. I think maybe I've scored like an own goal. You must have. Everyone. I feel like I've had a I've I've scored like a deflected own goal, maybe. But unless you've never played in defence. Like, never. No, I've never, played in defence. Not even a kick about in the park being in defence. Come on. I've played in defence. I was really good in defence at one stage. Um, don't think I've scored at home goal. Or if I have, I've just completely blocked it out. Well, you probably never scored a hat-trick of home goals. <laughs> um, oh, certainly. Certainly. And, to be um, fair, hat-tricks. Mm. Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple hat-tricks in my locker. Couple, couple. You know, something like that. Yeah, I've I've never scored an own goal playing with my my local boys at Barcelona, round here. Um, so shout out to the, the Barcelona Riverside FC, um, and um, yeah, hopefully hopefully there'll be a text coming from Wesley. Nothing yet. Hopefully there won't be any oh, own goals in yeah, that let text. Me from oh, Wes. quick one. Have you ever scored? A, have, you, have you ever scored a hat trick though? Nah, I'm not a goal scorer. Not a defender. Nah, how could I score? Well, you know what? You know what? I think I have. I think I, I think there was one time when uh, playing with my guys at uni, we went down to West London and we was playing. Hey, you're from West London. You probably know where this is. There's like a because it's, it's the other end of, of the city for me. I, I didn't really know where I was. I just went to link up with my guys. One of them lived in Hounslow. We linked up around there and then we, we got in the car and we drove to this place and it was like a leisure centre and it was like under a bridge, under a flyover. And yeah, Westway. Westway. And it was like a little stadium there as well. Yeah, like Westway. Stadium. Westway. Yeah, I, bruv, that place was live. Like, guys were like pulling up with their cars, music blasting, like, you know, girls were coming out and just chilling. I, I felt like in the summers, like, that could be like a, a real vibe to just chill out down there. Okay, so the scores are in. They drew nil nil. Oh, man. I think well, that means they need a favour. I think that means they need a favour now. Good luck. Good luck to the Trotters. Hopefully this um, hopefully this works out. So so you need the other team to maybe draw. No, moves. it looks like this. If it goes to the final game and they win, they do it. So it's just really yeah. They have to just they have to win the final game. The four hand. points was enough. Okay. Okay, okay. Come on, Trotters. This is this is that time. We, we, we might have to get Wes on to come and talk about um wh- whatever happens, really. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. At the end of the season we'll get him on for sure. Cool. Um right, well, if there's any last words, speak now or forever hold your peace just gonna say peace to everyone and yeah stay good be kind to people and um yeah look forward to seeing hit well look forward to being back in a couple weeks most definitely um all right so everybody out there you know where to get us if you want to hit us on the socials at beer advance at podcast play on we'll be back with our bi-weekly football podcast in a couple of weeks till then peace out peace